Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for You're a minister. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. Where he's placed you, he wants to make you just like him. There's darkness around you. You have to shine. And you'll see later, it's team-based. So get this mentality. If I'm really going to be used by God, I'm going to be a musician or I'm going to be full-time. I have to quit my job. No, that's craziness. We're all called. Some are called to leave their vocation and their location, but not too many. Mankind has a natural tendency to look at others and feel that we don't quite match up to them. Whether it be the workplace, special talents, or even social standing, it's fairly easy for us to feel inadequate to others. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark addresses this issue in light of ministry. Oftentimes, we can look at others and feel that their ministry is superior to ours. But as Pastor Mark will teach us, this couldn't be further from the truth. In today's message, Pastor Mark will remind us that each of us has the same calling to be a light in an otherwise dark world, no matter our location or vocation. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 18. With his continuing study entitled, I will make you just like me, Jesus. If I'm going to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ, it's going to require radical obedience. Now I want you to understand that for a moment. There were no excuses when Jesus said to these four, follow me. Oh, I can't do it. Remember, Peter and John, they left their fishing business. James and uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John left their fishing business and their dad. But they didn't go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, I'll follow you, but. No, it's radical. They left. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, it's going to require radical obedience. Now, that, by that, I don't mean weirdness. Let me explain to you very closely this morning. I think it'll make it clear. For 95% of you, when God calls you to be a follower... He doesn't change your vocation, and he doesn't change your location. He wants you to become like him in the same job, in the same house, in the same marriage, at the same street, in the same neighborhood, going to the same church. He just is going to change you. For 95% of you. For 5% of you, it will require all of those things But sometimes a change in vocation and a change in location. This is what happened with these guys. They're no longer fishermen. They're no longer going to stay in Galilee. They're going to go all over Israel. That's what will happen to a small percentage of you. 
5% or less. Now here's the problem we have. 13 years ago, God changed my profession and my location. So he changed my, changed my vocation and my location. As you know, I was a hospital pharmacy director for many years, almost 30 years. And I, we lived at Merritt Island area. God changed that. Now, that doesn't mean for those 30 years that I was ministering, teaching in the church, working at work 40, 40, 50 hours a week, just like all of you guys do, just in a different vocation. Doesn't mean that I was useless to him. I was a follower of Jesus Christ all of those years. Not perfect, still learning, been a Christian 55 years, still learning today. But then he just changed my vocation, and he changed my location. I don't know what tomorrow will bring. Because when I think about being a follower of Jesus Christ, to me, it's just a boring obligation. Do you believe that? I hope you don't. No, it's exciting, because you don't know what tomorrow is. I mean, how can he take a guy... How can he take a guy and do this in 13 years? How can he do that? Because he had a great sense of humor. <laughs> People walk in and go, that's the Mark Bomber I knew, but you got to be kidding me. That's him. Because it's not about me anyway. It's all about God. So one of the things we do in the church, so understand this this morning very carefully. We look at people publicly and go, Wow, Peter, apostle, bomber, a pastor. Wow, special people. Wrong. You're a minister. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. Where he's placed you, he wants to make you just like him. There's darkness around you. You have to shine. And you'll see later, it's team-based. So get this mentality If I'm really going to be used by God, I'm going to be a musician or I'm going to be full-time. I have to quit my job. No, that's craziness. We're all called. Some are called to leave their vocation and their location, but not too many. Now, the last one is a little confusing. It almost sounds like an oxymoron. If I'm going to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, I have to be me, and yet I have to become like Jesus. What does that mean? What do you mean you have to be you and yet become like Jesus? How can I be both? Here's how. God uses ordinary people. Isn't it very interesting to you? And when Jesus starts his ministry, what's going to change the world? That's why we're sitting here this morning. He doesn't start it in Jerusalem, the religious capital of the world. He starts it in a fishing village, Capernaum. He doesn't include one divinity student there's not one person on his team that has had formal religious training as a rabbi not one who does he pick fisherman an illegal tax collector amazing that's the same god today now nothing wrong with education Later, Paul becomes an incredible educated Jewish guy, but he kind of has to set all that aside to follow Jesus. Now, because you're a fisherman doesn't mean you're ignorant. Read the books of Peter's writings. He's brilliant, but he's just trained by Jesus. I'll take it any day. That's where you and I are. Let me give you a little scenario. I have to be me. I want you to answer me now. Two people, Peter and his brother Andrew. Which would you say you hear more about in the Bible? Peter or Andrew? 
without a doubt, Peter. Well, why is that? Remember way back, the first time that Andrew was introduced to Jesus, he starts it all. One day he's, with, he's a disciple of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist says, Oh, here comes Jesus, the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. And, and Andrew says to a, a John, you, you mean this is the Savior that you've been telling me about, that you're talking about? Well, I'm leaving you, and I'm going to be a follower of his. And, and John the Baptist said, Go for it. So he goes, and he says to Jesus, I'm, I'm, This is the one I'm looking for. The very next thing that Andrew does, he goes, and he, he says, Hey, Pete, Pete, come here, Pete. I found the Messiah. And he brings Peter to Jesus. So the one that starts this is Andrew. Andrew has his giftings. Peter has his. Now as you look at things expand in the church, who's always in the limelight? Peter or Andrew? Peter. Where's Andrew? He's always kind of like this. He's behind the scenes. Because, you know, Andrew isn't worth as much to Jesus as Peter. Is that correct? Yeah, but see, sometimes we go, oh, yeah, that's correct, that's correct. Peter became the one bold and the first time, and 3,000 people came, Lord, where's Andrew? We don't even know where Andrew is. He's parking cars or something. I don't know where he is. (laughs) Understand something this morning. God made Andrew way different than Peter. Gifted differently but just as valuable and important. Don't put value on people publicly or whatever. It has nothing to do with it. In fact, you know, Pete is the one that always opened his mouth and inserted foot. (laughs) Andrew didn't speak very often, but when he spoke, be careful. So what does that mean about you this morning? Do you have worth? Look at what David writes. I think it's incredible in Psalm. David writes about his birth. Psalm 139, look at it, verse 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. Now look at this. This is why we believe, obviously, that that conception is where birth takes place. Life happens right there at conception. Look what David says. You watched me. As I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. David says, you know, God had this big ultrasound machine, and man, he looked at David's mind. No, he didn't have an ultrasound machine. God's supernatural. And he watched David being formed, those cells coming together. But it wasn't only that. Understand this morning this next statement. It's incredible. David says, You saw me before. I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day. Before David's birth took place, God already had mapped out his life. Well, Pastor Mark, does that mean I'm a robot? No. God knows the future. And so he had gifted David uniquely. And he had planned his life for him. And it was all set out before he came out of the womb. Now every single person in this room came from the womb of your mother. You were all born there. So was I. And so this just tells me this morning that when God created me, 
He created me with purpose, with giftings, and I can't change, I don't change those personalities, I don't change those giftings, but I have to become like him in the spiritual way. So I'm going to be me, but I have to become more like Jesus. God isn't going to, if you're this triple A whatever and always opening your mouth and rambling whatever, well God will use that. Sometimes he'll just shut your mouth. But he'll use that because you've got that gifting. If you don't and you're more a behind the scene person, he'll use those. God uses all of those. You see, Jesus, what he said to those disciples that day, come on, Andrew, I can use you. Come on, Peter, I can use you. Very different people, but needed. You see, what God said to them, he says to us this morning. They didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose and called them. But Jesus knows with their personalities, with their giftings and that uniqueness, they're going to have to change to become like him, to be useful to him. So he gives us, in Romans 8, 29, it simply says this, for those who God foreknew, just like we read with David, he also predestined to be conformed To the likeness of his son. Jesus says, you follow me, I will make you just like me. Well, how does that process begin? How do I know if I'm becoming like Christ? Well, first of all, the measuring, the measuring unit for Christian growth is becoming like Christ. Well, how do I define that? Since I don't know what Christ looked like, by the way, it has nothing to do with what he looked like. It has to do with his character in his ministry. Three things. Just write them down this morning. To think like Jesus. As I'm growing, my measurement, do I think like Jesus? Well, how does Jesus think? Well, I think God thoughts. Jesus always related his ministry to the word of God. So the more I'm in the word of God, the more I think like God. This is what changes my thinking. This changes my thinking. Second, God wants me to be like Jesus. In other words, the character the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, mind, all those things, they just become more and more a part of me. So just ask yourself, judge yourself this morning, and number three, God wants us then to do the works of Jesus. In other words, it's not just about being, but it's going to be about doing. Jesus, it says, went about everywhere doing good. So if I'm growing, if I'm growing as a disciple this morning, I'm going to be thinking more like God thinks. That means I'm going to be in the Bible. I'm going to be renewed by the Bible. I'm going to, number two, my character, I'm going to, people are going to look at me and say, wow, how can you be peaceful in that? Well, it's just God working through me. Fruit grows. And number three, I'm going to be reproducing the ministry of Jesus. Remember in John 14, Jesus said, when I leave you, greater works are you going to do? So an aspect of ministry comes from all of these things. Now, how does all of that happen? Let me just stop and give you a challenge this morning. Every week, we have around 20 to 25 devotional writers that take my sermon. I email my notes to them on Saturday after I'm finished. And they develop from Saturday to Monday, six days of devotionals. And they're put on our website, calvarymelbourne.org. You can go there anytime. You go under sermons and devotionals. Tuesday morning, there'll be about a 10 to 15 minute devotional of what I'm teaching this morning. Wednesday morning, a different writer. Thursday, a different, all the way through the week. 
So you have an ability to take what you're hearing this morning, even if you're from out of town, it doesn't matter. We have, I forget how many, 16,000 website hits a day or some ridiculous, unbelievable stuff from all over the world. So you're able to get onto the web and go, well, what, did, what does it mean to think like these, these, these three things you saw up there? Those writers will have those things interspersed in there. And you'll see them. And you can go there, take your Bible in the morning, take 15 minutes, go to the website, put the devotional up, and it'll challenge you. It'll grow you. Do you remember when you were a little kid at home, especially some of you that are older, dad used to have a corner here in the wall or whatever, and, and they put this little ruler down, and you had to sit there as a little kid, and they put this little thing over your head. You remember a little thing over your head? And then when you grew, it kept doing what? Kept growing. Well, ask yourself this morning, are you the same height 10 years ago now? I mean, has nothing changed? No, I, nothing really changed, Pastor Mar. Well, remember there's a D word that you didn't like. It's called discipline. Discipline means I got to do something about it. So I'm challenging you. You have the tools. We make it available for you. Get on the website this week. Start a new habit. Get there. If you don't have a computer, we can print it off for you and we'll make them available. We make them available already in the bookstore, free to you. These are people that are gifted here to write, and they do that. People put that all together. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm just like not into that. Well, let me tell you something this morning. Get into it. (laughs) How are you going to grow? You have to be in the Word of God. Some of you come into this building, and the first time you touch a Bible all week is here, and you know enough not to get embarrassed. You go back and get a Bible from that counter, and you bring it to your cage. I watch you. And you don't have to do this. I don't have a Bible here. But I also watch you when you leave. And I'm trying to be kind this morning. But you will never grow. Can you imagine if this is the only meal you ate all week? This is the only meal? Next week you'd be in here. You'd be eating the pill. Pulp anything. But you know what you eat all week? The garbage of TV is what you eat all week. So we have to grow. So in this passage of Scripture... This growing ends in doing. Jesus always was in the doing. Look back at verse 19. Jesus says, I will make you what? Tell me. Fishers of what? There's people again. Notice, Jesus says, I will make you. I will be the one that assumes the responsibility. You say, well, I don't want Jesus making me. I'm a self-made man. No, you're not a self-made man. God made you in the first place. And he wants to change you this morning. So Jesus says, I'll train you, I'll empower you, I'll sustain you, I'll make you successful. The key to everything is always, always, always people. Now, it's time for congratulations. And it's for you. Remember, Jesus says, I'm going to train you to throw out the nets to care about people. I'll make you a fisher of men. Notice he doesn't say, I'll make you this prosperity kind of person. He says, I don't care about all that stuff. All I care about is people coming to Christ. You discipling them, getting them saved, growing them. I'm challenging you to cast out the nets. Well, they knew what casting out the nets were. A few weeks before Easter, we challenged you guys in this building. Invite neighbors, invite friends, bring people. Pray for them, call, do whatever. You guys did incredible. As I said, we had 2,000 more people than we normally have. You say, well, they're not here this week. Who cares? They got the message. They'll be back. 
Because what they have in their world is emptiness. And I just want to congratulate you this morning. That meant that you did your job. You cast the net. Terrific. And one of the things I have to clarify for you. When all these people make commitments or recommitments, over 100, 124, I think, made commitments or recommitments to God last weekend. You go like, wow, great message, Pastor Mark. Well, yeah, it was a great message because God gave it to me. But it isn't me. Do you understand some of those people you've been praying for for 10 years? You've been inviting week after week after week. And they finally came. People have been praying. Grandmothers have been praying. People have been praying all over the world. And I just happen to be here the weekend that God goes, okay, we're going to get them today. And he opens their heart and they go, yeah, I choose. So understand, it's never about us. It's always about God. But thank you, because you made it happen. You did the right thing. Now, Easter's over. Don't stop fishing. Well, I don't wait till next Easter. It's not about next Easter. Yesterday, 12.30, I get a call from a couple in this church. Our 26-year-old son, we just found him dead. Evidently, no flop play, anything, just... I don't even know the thing, and I'm meeting with them today or tomorrow at the funeral. Guys, can't wait to throw the, throw the net two weeks from now. Life is unbelievably short. We never know. So Jesus says, cast the net. Cast it, because people are lost. All I care about is, is people. Now, here's an ad, and uh, I'm going to run through it really quickly. It's, a, it's an ad. Uh, I don't even know where I found it. I found it like three years ago. And I've already put it on the webpage, so you might like it. But this is a, an ad in Jerusalem Times back in the year 2000. You want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Look what it says. Kingdom workers needed immediately. Many openings are available. All may apply. Equal opportunity employer. Diverse backgrounds are helpful. The prospect market has great potentials. You remember the fields are white to harvest. On the job training will be provided. I like the next one. Each worker will be given a very detailed training manual. Updated chapters are currently in progress. <laughs> you say, what do you mean? The Bible's changing? No, this is before the Bible was put together. Understand? Now, what about the qualifications? What is it required to be a follower of Jesus Christ this morning? Every one of you are asked to be one. Here's what it is. Belief in the kingdom of God and desire to follow the leader Jesus. You can't be your own leader. I have to follow him. Next. I like this one. A great car. No, no. Good walking shoes. Remember how many miles we talked about? Willing to travel frequently. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to hit spiritual warfare. What are you going to do with that? Notice what it says. No fear of demons, contagious diseases, or storms. Hey, Pete, remember that one? Pete that always opened his mouth, but remember, because of his boldness, who's the only one that got out of the boat? Pete. In today's message entitled, I Will Make You Like Me, Jesus, Pastor Mark taught us about the different callings that each of us receives as Christians. In our study, we learned that although other ministries might seem bigger and better, each of our roles as witnesses are equally important. Not many of us are called to relocate and change vocation, But as Pastor Mark teaches, we each share a vitally important role in Christ. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Stay tuned for the next edition of Lessons for Living as Pastor Mark will teach us about the importance of unity within the church. In our message, we learn how the body of Christ functions as one relies on the diversity of each individual to accomplish the will of God. Just as our own body relies on each functioning part, Pastor Mark will emphasize the importance of functioning together in unity as one in Christ. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Yeah.